Redskin Pillbox head. Southern storm, a bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome back to this episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast. Uh, as always, thank you for the downloads and participating on the Facebook page. And with me always is Jason. What is up? Hey, man. Uh, it, I'm... Nothing. Nothing's up, and I'm okay with that. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. I'm glad nothing's up. How about you? Yeah. No. Good. Good. I mean, we were actually eight degrees warmer than you here. Yeah. What today. the hell? Yeah. I, I see. I, I see you like you know harassing me via Facebook about your eight degree temperature <laughs> change. <laughs> Why is North Dakota warmer than Central? I don't Ohio? know, but like I got done with work and I took my jacket off, so it's pretty nice, pretty sweet. I no. walked my dogs a couple of days ago. It was like, it was pushing 60. It was great. It's the first time I'd worn shorts and like since last year. Yeah. Right on. I didn't have shorts on, but I took my jacket off. I mean, I, 50 for North Dakota. You guys should be wearing shorts and a t-shirt. on. Oh, side. yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, if I wasn't working, I probably would have been. So in the mail came a couple of junkyard posts, well, three junkyard posters. Yep. Uh, by way of you. So thank you for that. You are welcome. I got a, you know, I got them through the guys. They sent a bunch, and then I figured you would love to have a signed one and a couple of just cool looking ones. So there you go. Got to put them on the wall behind you. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you for that. You, no, you're welcome. You're, well, I wish I would have got to you sooner, but when all the bad weather hit, I just didn't. I didn't go anywhere, and then I had to go mail <laughs> right. my mom's birthday present down to Florida. So I'm like, perfect time. Mail this to Florida. I'll mail these posters to North Dakota. Right. And they, I mean, it only took a couple of days. They got there fast. Yeah. It, things get here pretty fast. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, um, you know, one of the earliest artists, you know, from, you know, the southern region, rock and roll and blues, uh, uh, was Elvis. And I hear there was a bio, 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 biopic. Is biopic? A bio, I call it a biopic. Is it biopic? That could be. The, I have no idea. Biopic, biopic, coming up, uh, having to do with Elvis. Uh, Tom Hanks. So, t- right, Tom Hanks is going to be Colonel Tom Parker, Elvis's manager. It's being directed by Baz Luhrmann, who is who directed the Moulin Rouge movie and Romeo and Juliet, and a couple interesting things. Um, I it should be interesting. I'm I'm a big sucker for. I'm gonna call it biopics. Maybe it's a biopic. I call it a biopic. I don't know. I'm a sucker for music document documentaries and music biopics. Man, um, I just I just love that stuff. And I've seen a couple really good documentaries recently. I watched the one on the Go Go's and the one on the Bee Gees, which are really good. And then if you throw something in front of me, like not really a biopic, but like that thing you do, or we watched the uh, 
Queen, Freddie Mercury movie from a couple years ago was pretty good. I'm kind of sucker for those. How about you? You know, you mentioned the Go-Go's. I just watched that again a couple nights ago. You know, <laughs> not necessarily in our genre, but, you know, when you're trying to learn, you know, simple guitar chords. But I, I like oh, some yeah. of their stuff. But, you know, I thought I watched that and, um, it, like, most of it is about, like, until they broke up and all of a sudden, we're back together and everything is good. And then it ended. <laughs> it didn't go through all the, as much division as a lot of them had for a lot of years where they were kind of divided up on two teams. But, you know, you know, if you listen to previous podcasts, you know, my, um, my, uh, you know, my guilty pleasure as, as, um, as Belinda Carlisle solo stuff. I've been into that, I think twice now. So I'm also a Go-Go's fan. There's nothing, you can't go wrong with that. It would, it would be good to see a movie, like an actual movie, like a biopic like that. Um, but anyways, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. Even if it's something like Almost Famous, which is one of my favorite movies, it's about a fake band. Super good, man. Um, the only one I haven't cared for recently was the Rocket Man one about Elton John. I just It was like a weird musical, and I just didn't dig it at all. It was more about the show and less about actually him and stuff, but... Um, other than that, though, I, I'm I'm a big into that and big into that stuff. Well, you know, I I have not seen the Queen movie, and shame on me because I've heard like it's like so damn good. It really is. I mean, it's, it's a Queen movie, but it's really the Freddie Mercury story more than anything. Of course, he's the big star, but but it, it's it's good. All the all the actors and stuff that are in the movie are great, and if you like Queen, man, check it out. Have you seen Cadillac Records? I have not seen Cadillac Records. That one is very good. All right. I'll have to check that one out. Um, but yeah, man, like I just dig stuff like that, too. I love like even concert films like The Last Waltz, is which one of my favorite of all, all time um, musicals to, to watch. I watch it every year around Thanksgiving as a tradition. Okay. So I'm looking at uh, Black Snake Moan, which I haven't seen. Yep, it's Christina Ricci and uh, Justin Timberlake and Sam L. Jackson. Yeah, and some of the music is done by uh, Kenny Brown, who was adopted son of R.L. Burnside, and I guess also the North Mississippi All-Stars uh, scored some of the music for that. Oh, no kidding. Well, it's very, like, southern, swampy blues stuff on there. Sam L. Jackson is in a ex-blues artist and he picks it back up and starts performing again so it's a pretty interesting movie i mean i i, I dug it i probably wouldn't watch it a second time because it's pretty heavy but it's worth checking out i don't recall if i've seen it or not i know i've seen cadillac records but uh so on that topic of luther dickinson and the north mississippi all-stars scoring a movie uh you know tying into our elvis biopic or biopic <laughs> Somebody please get the Facebook page and tell us the right way to pronounce that. They're just coincidentally that we didn't know this before. just happens to be a friend of Luther's that just happens to be our guest this week. Yeah, you know, and it's a dude I've actually followed for a while. Um, he had a two, 2016 uh, record out in a band called Simo. Um, which was kind of psychedelic blues rock from the 60s and 70s inspired. And in the last couple of years, he's gone solo with this three-piece blues act, doing a little bit more traditional blues. Um, but man, he is a great guitarist, singer, performer, scoring movies about Elvis, starring uh, uh, um, our buddy Tom Hanks. And like, 
I'm a, I'm a big fan, and his his name is uh, J.D. Simo. You know, and for someone who is 30, 35, 34, 35. Probably right around there. I would say born in yeah. 1985 to 30, 35. 36, 35, 36. He uh, has like a, his bio and his experience and everything he talked about. Like, and I, I wasn't really thinking about that when we were talking to him. But like, I mean, for someone who's only 36, holy crap. Like he has done a lot, knows a lot of people based in Nashville. He knows everybody, everybody knows him. And, you know, one of the things that, that, that slipped my mind to ask him when he mentioned, like he was up start touring when he's 15, like, how does that mm-hmm. happen? Well, I mean, <laughs> he gets in that band. I think he was in Phoenix and we didn't get into too much, you know, going through his background, but he released a live album in Phoenix that sold like 5,000 records. I guess I got this through Wikipedia. But then he connected with that other band where he tells that great story at the beginning right. of about where they were up to some um, illegal shenanigans. He wasn't, but the people he was with were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, he's I don't a even... good storyteller, man. He knew, he knew, like you said, he knows a lot of people. He's been around. Just a really like a super cool dude to talk to. Yeah, I mean, I was certainly captivated. It was just, you know, just one of those, you know, it was like talking to Andy Haldort. It was just yeah, like that. story upon story upon story. And somebody like Andy that we absolutely want to have back on the podcast at some point, too, to tell us more. Oh, for sure. So speaking of story after story after story, uh, you guys will all enjoy listening to all those stories after stories in our chat here Coming right up now with J.D. Simo. Welcome to this uh, guest segment this week on the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast. As always, got to t- I toss it over to Jason to tell you guys, the listeners, who our guest is today. Thank you, Brian. I always say this, and I definitely am. I'm very excited to have an artist on, a blues artist, a guitarist, singer, who I've been following since his band days. Now he's a solo artist, uh, the great blues guitarist from Nashville, J.D. Simo. Welcome, J.D. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me, fellas. Now, did I say your last name correctly? Because I heard Charlie Starr say Simo, and I always assumed it was Simo. Yeah, no, it's Simo. Yeah. Okay. Well, Charlie Charlie. got it right, so I figured that was good enough for me. Well, good. (laughs) Charlie's a good man. We go back a long ways. He's a good buddy. He's a good man to ride the river with. (laughs) (laughs) Johnny Cash said about Tom Petty. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. Good, 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 good catch. Yeah. <laughs> there is a there's a really good YouTube clip of you playing Deep Ellum Blues with Blackberry Smoke from a couple of years ago. And I've watched that repeatedly since knowing you're going to be on the podcast. And it's like you guys just kill it. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, we've we've done a lot of tours together. Um, and uh, yeah, we've played that. We've done we've we've done a whole bunch of tunes together. Um, I love Charlie. 
uh, and the guys. Um, it's just that thing, like you know, when you do when you tour tour with each other, you you especially if you do like weeks or months, you know, it's it's sort of like summer camp. You really get to know each other, and because um, you're together every day, and uh, you know, so it's funny because I don't, I haven't seen. I mean, I haven't seen anybody in a year, but uh, now that's not true. Some people I have, but uh, the last year, year and a half, or uh, pre-pandemic, I hadn't seen Charlie. We did some shows together. We did a string of Brooklyn Bowl shows together in New York. Nice. Um, but uh, I hadn't seen him since we did a European tour together, and I, Charlie has a better memory than me. He was like, last time I saw you was in Rome, and I was like, you're right. I couldn't remember. I have a foggier memory, but he he's but he's he's a he's a brother. I love him. We we text all the time and make fun of each other, you know, send inappropriate content to one another at two thirty in the morning, that kind of thing. That's what you do with friends. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, yeah. it's funny. Um, we've heard a lot about like we've had a lot of people who are friends with Charlie and kind of heard the same things. Like we've had Tyler Bryan on. There's a, a guitarist, a player um, from the Dayton area that's in Nashville now called Scotty Bratcher, who's been on, like, just person after person after person, just always speaks the world of him and those members of that band. So, you know, you saying that, I'm not surprised. Yeah, no, man, they're good people. Well, I mean, they work so, their ass off. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it, the ones that, you know, it took them, you know, God, you know, almost 15 years or so to get to a point where things were going well for them. And, uh, you know, when you stick in it and you work that long and that hard, uh, you tend not to be jerks, you know, it's the ones that get it too quick that tend to be the jerks, you know, Charlie and them are the the antithesis of that, you know, how long have you known him then? You said you go way back. I mean, way back for me. I mean, I, I, I think we've known each other about 10 years or eight years or something like that long enough to feel, you know, like we've known each other a while. And, uh, you know, that thing of, you know, he's one of the, he's one of my friends, you know, there's a handful of people that like, I hear from that. We like talk socially, even when we're not working together, you know, he's one of them, Luther Dickinson, my friend Luther, Luther is another, is another really like we talk Love that guy. I love his band. Yeah. 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 Totally, man. So it's like, you know, there's certain people that we, you know, like we're really good friends. Like we work together occasionally and sometimes a lot, but. But, um, you know, Charlie falls into that, you know, like, I'm on vacation with the fam. What are you doing? I ain't doing nothing. Doesn't feel great? Yeah, it feels great. <laughs> and then we talk about that for whatever. So, yeah. Well, you know, it, it's good to talk about Charlie and Luther, and we'll get into that a little bit. But let's let's talk about you, and let, let's talk a little bit about how you got started in music and a little, little bit of your history kind of up to the point that you're at now with, with releasing some solo stuff. So really, how'd you get started in music? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I grew up in Chicago. Um, I was uh, really, I got really obsessed with music really young. Uh, I come from a family of like athletes and stuff like that. And my father was uh, a lot older. He was 50 when I was born. Um, and uh, he had raised an entire other family um, in the sixties. So I have a bunch of step siblings and stuff that are like 20 years older than me. And, uh, I heard, um, 
I saw Elvis on television, and I uh, and I heard uh, and I saw the uh, one of my older sisters was a huge SNL fan, and uh, saw all the SNL movies. One of which was the Blues Brothers. You know, I saw like oh yes, two and three years old. I really got into it, and I and I ended up getting a guitar when I was four, and um, I was really obsessed with it right away. And I was playing in bars and stuff you know by the time i was eight and nine i was playing in bars and um um and then sort of went out from there i I, we we my family relocated to arizona to phoenix when i was a teenager uh which was actually really good because i was uh you know being underage it was really hard to gig um and especially in the city of chicago and so, and I grew up in the city. I didn't grow up in a suburb. I grew up on the north side on the corner of Armitage and Halstead and, um, in an apartment building. And, um, and so moving to Arizona when I was like 12, about to be 13, uh, was really good because everything was real lax out in Arizona. And so I was able to, you know, by the, you know, eighth grade going into, uh, going into high school, freshman year of high school. I was able to gig on the weekends and uh, not have too much problems. And then uh, I dropped out of high school when I was 15 um, uh, to go on the road like full time with bands. And uh, and that was what I did for the next six years or so. Um, I was and there's a whole bunch of crazy freaking stories. I mean, I was in a I was in a like a like a Mexican gangster band called Barrio Latino. Um, uh, well, come on. That, okay, well, that we, around. How did you get into that? That's got to be a good story. You can't pat, you can't just glance by that. Well, I mean, you know, no, no. I mean, it's like, how did I get in the band? I was, a, I was a decent guitar player and I knew the bass player who was the leader of the band, this guy, Andy Gonzalez, who was like a real cholo, like, you know, heavy, heavy cat. And, uh, he had this show band, Barrio Latino and, um, and, uh, you know, I went out and toured with him cause they needed a guitar player. And there were several other bands, a guy named Danny Rhodes. I played in his band. I made like my weak ass attempts at making records when I was a teenager as well, mixed into all that. And, uh, but no, the Barrio Latino thing was funny because, uh, well, I'll tell all right, I'll tell you the, uh, a good story. So my first time to Hollywood, I was, I was, um, um, can I tell an R-rated story on this, or are we trying to keep it clean? Dude, dude we yeah, have no sponsors. Do whatever sponsors. you want, man. You know, we're not <laughs> going right. to lose anybody. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so we were playing. We were going to play Hollywood, and I'd never been to Hollywood before. I was 15, and uh, so we go to Hollywood, and we're playing a gig at the Comedy Store. Okay, so the famous Comedy mm-hmm. Store on Sunset Boulevard. Why we were freaking playing the comedy store, I still don't freaking understand because it's a comedy club. But anyway, we were playing the main room at the comedy store. So we played a gig. It was kind of weird. And then afterwards, uh, Andy was like, we're going to go hang out with my old buddy Chewy. And Chewy is a full-on Mexican gangster. And uh, so we go to uh, the Rainbow Room and Chewy is in there holding court so we didn't have to wait in line which i thought was really cool because like oh hollywood we're going past everybody like they're waving us in and uh and uh so chewy is is sitting at a table there at the rainbow room um 
and there's a girl underneath the table taking care of him, um, <laughs> so to speak. And get the uh, Led Zeppelin treatment. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. And so I, it was like, you know, obviously, you know, I'm a kid. I hadn't seen anything like that. But this is only a precursor of, and I'll tell you a bridge version of this story. But this is like, you know, a precursor of what the night is going to become. And so we hang out there for a while. You know, there's, you know, uh, it's the first time I see like full on hard drugs, uh, like right in front of me, which again, precursor to the rest of the evening. And, um, and so we get done at the Rainbow Room and they want to go to the speakeasy uh, in East L.A. And it's like 3.30 in the morning. And all I want to do is get away from this situation. I'm terrified. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm a kid. And, um, and so somehow or another, because I'm not drinking, I end up driving the car that Chewy's in. So Chewy's in the back seat with a hooker. And I'm driving the car. They get into a fight. He reaches into the front and pulls out a loaded handgun from the glove compartment to threaten her with. And I'm like, I'm in a Tarantino movie. This is what is going on. He's going to kill this woman and I and probably going to kill me, too. Like, I was terrified. And uh, luckily, she did what he wa- what he wanted her to do. And uh, <laughs> we finally, after you know, seemed like forever finally got to this speakeasy and, uh, it was, a, it was, it was one of those where like they opened the slit and they, you know, you had to like tell a code to get in kind of deals. And we go in and there's just mounds of narcotics, uh, uh everywhere, just on every table. Like, I mean, I just, I'm, you know, still have never seen anything like it ever since. And so I sit in a, in a far corner where I feel like I'm far enough away from everybody that I can like remain safe for the rest of the evening. And, you know, we were there until seven or eight in the morning. And then finally it was like, all right, we're going to go back to the hotel and, you know, made it back to the hotel. And that was my first night in Los Angeles. Um, and I was 15 years old. That's like an abridged. There's a lot of other little <laughs> vignettes but like yeah you're gonna have to make a movie have you thought about writing a script release a treatment of this i don't think i want to relive it that intensely like even that was traumatic just telling the story (laughs) well i always do a question at the end of the night when it's like the jason section where i talk about give us a good tour story i think we're going to be able to avoid that question brian what do you think (laughs) he's already got it oh there's so many there's so many when you start that you know, young, there's so many. But anyway, so, so to pick that <laughs> up quick, to pick it back up quickly. So I toured around playing in bands all over the entire country until I was, you know, just about to turn 21, and I was really burnt out. And I was like, well, I need to either move to New York, Los Angeles, Austin, Nashville. I need to move somewhere. And uh, I chose Nashville because I had a really, really, I still do have a very dear friend that I could crash with. And so I moved here right before I turned 21. And then uh, I starved, absolutely, literally starved for about a year. And uh, grateful that it was only a year because it could have been 10. And uh, and then, you know, there's another really long story. But essentially, I ended up in this club band, the Don Kelly band, that 
I didn't realize at the time was this like band that had existed in Nashville for about 30 years and like every A team session guitar player that had ever been in town had like come through this band. And I knew the bass player in the band, Dave Rowe, who was Johnny Cash's bass player, actually. Oh, wow. He works, works all the time at Dan Arbach now. And uh, uh, I actually was about to be kicked out of this place I was renting a room in. And, um, uh, and I was out of money. And I, you know, I had no, so I went and played on the street corner downtown. And Dave, the bass player, walked by and he said, what the hell are you doing? And I said, man, I'm, I'm, I'm screwed, man. I don't know what to do. And so he took pity on me and, and asked me to come meet Don. And Don was just about like he was just starting to look for a replacement for Guthrie Trap um, because Guthrie was sort of on his way out of the band and uh, who, who now is a big session guy and played with Jerry Douglas and Paul Simon and a bunch of other people. And, and um, anyway, he uh, so I worked really, really, really hard because I hadn't really played country music before. And I ended up landing that gig and I was in that band six nights a week, um, four hours a night with no breaks for just about six years. And then after I'd been in that band for about two years, I started uh, or a year and a half. I started doing a lot of sessions. And then, you know, by the time I'd been in that band two years or so, I was playing on hit records and stuff like that. And um, and then formed my own band um yeah, which is another, we, yeah which is another long story uh but formed that band when i was about you know 26 or so because basically i was really burnt out doing what i was doing and uh and i met the guys that were my bandmates in that group and and uh we jumped off and got a record deal and and started doing all that and um which was crazy like 2000 we, we formed the band in like 2011, 2012. It was kind of a uh, side project for a year, year and a half. And then we started, you know, leaving town to play for eight people and lose money regionally, you know, around that time, around 2013, 14, 15, you know, starting to tour a little more regionally and all that. And then finally, and at the end of 15 is when we signed a record deal and got an agent and all that kind of stuff. And then, 2016 we did 268 shows that year wow. uh when our first record came out and uh did that and that basically broke the band up because we worked way too hard that year sure. and uh we, we 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 uh we 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 made one more record together but really 2016 did us in um and uh yeah and then that then we broke up and then i signed a new deal and uh have put out two records on my own and about to finish up on the third and so that's as abridged as i can answer your initial question there you go that's so. good well the podcast is done thanks jd we appreciate you being a guest <laughs> so the simo band like i i got to know you knew who you were on that let love show the way album which is a really really good album i love was that your first album and that rise and yeah. shine was that second one okay yeah mm -hmm. yeah that's right so yeah. with what you were doing in, in simo versus what you're doing now which i think a little bit more typical blues with probably some 60s psychedelia rock mixed in 
kind of, I mean, what was the approach, you know, what was the style that you're trying to do with the band versus what you're doing now? Um, well, I mean, you know, to be honest with you, it was just at, at the time, like when we formed as a group, we were really obsessed with, um, you know, all the sixties rock bands and, and, um, and, and, that, and, and, we, you know, that's what that was. It was, it was very much kind of, we were into the Almond Brothers and we were into, um, we were into Cream and Cream. I was going to say, there's definitely a Cream influence. All that, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, we got really burnt on it. So when we made Rise and Shine, it was, it was, it was very much kind of, there was a point like after we'd done like, you know, cause after 2016, I mean, it really did. Like, I mean, it fried us. I mean, cause we were gone 300 days that year and um, it really, really did a number on all of us, like emotionally and psychologically. And, um, you know, we, we, uh, uh, you know, we, we just expanded. And I think we, we all kind of like got really sick of, uh, uh, of, you know, the initial kind of pool of music that we were kind of pulling from in the very beginning. And I think that at least for my own, speaking for myself, I became a lot more diverse and to the point now where it's like, you know, it's an addiction where, you know, I mean, every day I listen to at least one, if not more new records that I've never heard of before. Um, you know, I'm an avid record collector and, um, I mean, you can't, I can't, I'm, I, I, to say I'm a voracious music listener and all that is, is, is an understatement. And so, you know, we just moved on from that. And when we made Rise and Shine, it was, it was a lot more influenced by psychedelic music, but the mm -hmm. soul aspect of psychedelic music where, you know, in the late 60s and early 70s, you had like Isaac Hayes and you had um, Curtis Mayfield, you know, as well as more obscure bands like Funkadelic, which is like a huge, huge fucking influence on me. Um, Eddie Hazel on guitar and, um, and a bunch of other things, people like Captain Beefheart and, um, you know, psychedelic music, but not, um, but like really starting to kind of go into slightly more obscure stuff and stuff that was more rooted either in avant-garde jazz or, or R and B or soul. And, um, I've sort of continued to mine that, um, you know, the first, um, the first solo record I put out was a little bit more of a return to the sort of Almond Brothers-y kind of thing. And that was more because that's what the label was kind of wanting me to do. And, um, and then the last record that I put out a year ago is kind of picking up where I wanted to really where I want to be, which is this, you know, sort of psychedelic soul, um, thing. And, uh, the last year, especially I've become just absolutely obsessed with Hill country music, junior Kimbrough, right RL on. Burnside, T model right four, just really fucking upset junior in particular. I just cannot, I just, he's, you know, uh, the knob is broken on me with that. I just can't turn it off. And, um, and so, that and then also, you know, huge, you know, have become really, really influenced by Afrobeat music, Fela Kute, Tony Allen. Um, so a lot of the stuff that we're working on right now is kind of a, a weird mismatch of those two things, you know. But just whatever meets your fancy, you know, whatever you're into. <laughs>
so this new album so you're saying it's it's a little bit of a mix of, of maybe your your country hill music your afro beat stuff i mean kind of what, what what's that looking like that's what it's looking like it's 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 the 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 rhythm the 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 beats and stuff like that are very influenced by afrobeat um but that sort of very primitive um that very primitive kind of fucked up hill country thing is 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 has become you know that kind of on top of these crazy beats you know has has kind of been what i've been working on um you know we're we're almost done with it um but i mean because of lockdown i've finished building my studio here and um we i mean we've cut you know anywhere from two to at least two new things and sometimes up to five or six or seven new things a week every week since april uh, me and my guys so i mean we've there's so much stuff we've cut um but i've done a lot of scoring this year and a lot of like uh music for television and movies and stuff this oh, no last kidding. year yeah and uh we've done a lot um and most notably can, can like, you say what you've scored oh yeah well the biggest one that i'm still right in the middle of is there's a tom hanks warner brothers movie that's a, actually an elvis biopic that's going to come out next year no that, kidding um that dave cobb my good friend dave cobb is the musical supervisor so he's the boss man, but um, we've been working on that for a year and a half. Um, it was sp- the movie was supposed to come out this year, but obviously because of COVID, everything has gotten delayed. Um, but that's that's the biggest thing. But that's been a really that's been a blast though, because Elvis, as I mentioned, is like the you know the, when I was the youngest, you know that I can remember. You know I loved Elvis, and so d- recutting all of that stuff. Um, and doing heavy duty research on all that has been really fun. But then also all the stuff around it, like there's um, our good friend Yola is playing Sister Rosetta Thorpe in the movie, and so we've cut we had to cut a bunch of Sister Rosetta Thorpe. Um, you know, there's there's Otha Turner stuff. You know, like there's there's uh, Big Boy Crudup stuff, which is another really primitive uh, guy that I love a lot. Like that I've had to like cut stuff. You know, so it's that's been a really fun project, you know. Uh, the rest of the stuff is mostly like I cut like funk instrumentals and weird stuff, and then you know send it off to all the different um, uh, uh, music supervisors that I work with, and they let me know which ones they want and stuff like that. So, so most of the stuff I've cut this last year has gone to stuff like that. But you know, needless to say, along the way, I mean, I've cut tons of stuff that could be records for me and. And uh, so it's been great because I've certainly never had the time or the luxury to to sort of, uh, you know, create like that. It's just insane. Hard drive. Well, full of keeps shit. you busy, too, and gives you work to do. Man, that's great. Probably, you know, you know since you can't tour, it keeps you from going insane. Well, that's what it started as, you know, is it started as me and my guys like getting getting tested every week and staying quarantined and doing it for our own sanity and then the fact that it actually turned into um a way to make money was kind of a side thing because i started doing this uh show here in the basement called greasy time that i just started doing just again for my own sanity and some of those shows were insane like you know like uh 
especially like within the first couple of months, I mean, the viewership was like ridiculous. There'd be five, 6,000 people watching and mm-hmm. uh, which was just insane. And, and then it would get like 70, 80,000 views in a couple of days. So, so it was, it was, it was really fun and really great. And as a result of that, I got a call from this, this awesome dude who's become one of my best friends, uh, Mark DiLorenzo, who's a, a former exec from uh, 20th Century Fox out yeah. in Hollywood. And, and, and he, uh, he was putting together this platform, Together.co, and asked me to help kind of, you know, set it up and get it going. And, um, you know, now what I used to do just for my own sanity, like, turned into a weekly job now where I do that. You know, I do a show every week for for his platform, and it's the Greasy Time show. It's just, you know, better cameras, better lighting, better sound. Right. You know, because uh, it just started with me with with my iPhone propped up, going, "Hey, everybody, I'm talking into a phone." Well, I remember talking. that because I watched some of the early stuff. Yeah, so you know, two different things that I just completely started just for my own sanity and to give me something to do, and it just, you know, is sure. totally factored into a huge part of like how i'm you know surviving and continuing to be okay you know so it's amazing yeah that's great i mean it's it's great that you got on all that stuff and you're keeping yourself busy because you are a unique talent i mean you're a guitar virtuoso you got the good singing voice you've had a pretty diverse career you're all over youtube man when you look up jd simo um i mean there's stuff from guitar center you testing out gear talking about gear playing shows ace magazine shows blackberry smoke man it's like we you're we can't get away from you <laughs> and i mean that yeah. in a good way well thanks man i just do the best i can do and on to the next you are you well know. sought after and brian by the way my video is stuck on you jd i can't see you so if you're if you need to ask a question i'm gonna pause <laughs> okay <laughs> Okay, and so that is correct. I do have a question. From your last little bit, you were talking, you know, it's the thrill for me to hear you talk about uh, just loving Hill Country blues music and how long is that going on? And, of course, that's going to segue. I want to ask you about Luther within that and how long you've known him and and all that. Uh, Luther and I have known each other for a, a, good, a good amount of time. I'd say probably six or seven years. We became um, buddies we became buddies on like just through text message and stuff first. And then we started working on like what was going to be a side project. And then we both just have been too busy to ever finish it, but we like cut like half a record together, but that was okay because then he got me in Phil, into Phil Lesh's band. Yeah. Um, right. Right. He, he, uh, he recommended me to Phil uh, a few years ago and uh which has been uh, which has been crazy because um you know to get to work with phil we've done a bunch of stuff together and it's been a blast and um the band that version of phil and friends you know it was me and luther and and cody uh his brother on drums and then john modesky on keyboards um and then we've had different like there are times where we've had some other vocalists that kind of came in and out. Like one time we did a thing in Las Vegas uh, with the Blind Boys Alabama, which was dope, and um, which was really fun. And then um, 
also my my good buddy Jackie Green, you know, who obviously nice. is in and out of Phil's yeah. orbit a lot. And uh, Jackie and I met years ago because uh, I did a we did a we did a tour together when he had, when he was in a band called Trigger Hippie with Steve Gorman, who's right another old, another old friend yep. of mine from the Black Crows. Nice. And, um, more one of our favorite bands. More questions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we, so, so Jack and I knew each other, and so, uh, and had jammed and you know screwed around and become buddies and such. And uh, but yeah. So anyway, Luther, you know, you know, I, I I owe him a lot. He's like he's he's like an older brother for sure. Uh, when when me and my wife got pregnant, uh, he he's he he's like my. Uh, my touring road dog, like older brother with kids that like, if ever I have stressful moments or something, you know, he's like, Oh man, you know, and he kind of like guides me through it. And like through the whole pregnancy, he was like, you know, he was there for me, you know? So he's, he and I are real good, good, good friends. We just saw each other a couple of weeks ago for the first time in a long time. And he's like family. And, um, uh, but yeah, you know, and, and, and it's funny though, because, I've always loved the Hill Country stuff. You know, I bought all those records many, many years ago, all the Fat Possum stuff. Um, but for whatever reason, things hit you when they hit you, you know? And um, I just really, for whatever reason, you know, just started really becoming obsessed with Junior, you know, about a year and a half ago, and then just really dove deep into it. And I've talked at length with... with uh, we've had some epic phone calls, Luther and I about it, but Luther doesn't really have a lot of info on junior as much because, you know, I've asked him, you know, we've, like I said, we've had long phone calls about it and he was, you know, like a family member to RL and the Burnsides and still is and Otha Turner and his whole family and furry Lewis and his whole family. Like he literally, Luther and Cody were tight with everybody, but the one I'm most obsessed with, Junior. He said Junior was very standoffish, and he said he was very quiet, and he said that, you know, when he was a teenager, he'd go and see Junior play at the second uh, juke joint that he opened in um, uh, in Holly Springs, or near Chalhoma, uh Junior's place, because the original Rib Shack, like, he, it, was, it was before Luther was playing music. And he was too young. But the second place, Junior's place, the one that burned down after Junior died, he uh, he said, I went out there and he's like, I tried to sort of like get with Junior. And he's like, and Junior was not having it, you know. So he's like, obviously, you don't push your luck with those guys because, you know, they were the real thing. They were they meant business, you know. So um, so which only makes me love Junior more because that just makes him more uh, mysterious. You know, there's there's, uh, you know. It's it's a weird thing, you know, this modern day guy who made records and did all this cool shit in my lifetime, but yet it's still kind of a shadowy figure, you know. So but yeah, but Luther's Luther's great and I love him and love making music with him. We we never you know, it's 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 really fun to, you know, uh try and get each other we have this saying between the two of us. Well it's Luther's saying really, but I say it too when I'm around him that, you know, trying to, trying to get as far out as possible to cause the other to go into the alpha jerk, you know, which is, I don't know if you know that term, but the alpha jerk where like when you get cosmically shifted into the next realm, when you die, 
we do the alpha jerk, you know, and so it's, it's <laughs> I've never a, heard that. That's a hip term. That's definitely a Luther term. That's a, well, if it's a hip term, that's why I haven't heard it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Luther, Luther knows how to Luther. Luther has a PhD in jive talk, so he knows what he's doing. <laughs> So how about Dave Cobb? You mentioned him. He's produced to so many people, and I know he did Blackberry Smoke's last record. Uh, Dave and I met probably 10 years ago. Uh, we met at a guitar shop, and uh, I was right in the middle of like the height of my sessioning. And he, at the time, I think he had only done Shooter Jennings or something like that. Like He wasn't he, he he hadn't even made the first Isbell record yet, I don't think, or he was just making it, something like that, because yeah, that's what really kind of like blew it apart and made it, you know, like all of a sudden overnight, Dave was like this big big thing, as was Jason, um, and so I've known him that long, and so and we were buddies, you know, because Dave is Dave loves he loves music and he loves gear. He loves uh, tone. He, you know, he he's he's really, um, you know, a, a rabbit hole goer downer. You know, as far as, um, you know, me and all my friends. You know, it's like that. You know, when they, when we get into something, we get into something. You know, and Dave is Dave is just like that. You know, and so we just became friends back then, and then you know, life took over, and um, you know. Uh, we've 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 remained friends and and every once in a while we do something together and uh you know he called me i mean it was a couple of years ago now because you know all these big you know for something as big as like a tom hanks movie like that stuff like i mean baz lerman is the director and oh wow yeah that's a big name uh, yeah and the writer of it and baz I think he started working on this movie like 10 years ago. I mean, that's just how Hollywood works, I guess. I, you know, it's my first, this is my first time working with, you know, like I, it was crazy, man. Like I remember like the first batch of sessions we did, I just couldn't believe like, you know, the catering. I was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, you know, like, you know, cause Hollywood is just so much different than music, you know? Uh, so, uh, but it's been really great, and and Dave is you know giving me a lot of free reign on it, and you know it's always great. It's 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 uh, it's always very low key, and and uh, you know we see eye to eye. We like the same we like the same stuff, you know. So it's cool, man. Yeah, Honored those of you don't know him, he's directed Moulin Rouge, Romeo and Juliet, Great Gatsby, and now. Your movie, JD, that you're helping score, Elvis, which is looks like it's 2022 scheduled. Yeah, that's what that's what it's looking like, you know. Yeah. So any anytime you hear guitar in that movie, it'll be moi. Who's so. playing Elvis in that? I gotta know. Uh, I don't remember the kid's name. Uh, he's uh, oh, Austin there, Butler. There we go. I just picked it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, well, oh, well because say so what? I said, oh shit. Um, Hanks is playing Colonel Tom Parker in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. And um, he, uh, it was interesting though because we started working on the music before they'd even before Baz had decided who was going to play Elvis, and so it was kind of it's kind of weird 
you know, to, to see, you know, like different people vying for the parts, you know, and all of them like working really hard, you know, like it was really weird because, you know, it's that thing where it's like, it's a life changing thing, you know, and yeah. it was just so, so weird to like be, you know, right there working with them all and trying to make it work. And at the same time, like realizing that, man, one of these guys is not going to get it, you know? And then of course, Austin got it and Austin's a really easy to work with and a really hard worker and uh really did his homework and um is doing all the singing um I was really wow. impressed I was I was really impressed uh well all this stuff is very period correct so it's like they even like brought up like the original machines from Memphis like like out of museums and stuff like the 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 extent that they've gone to to make things accurate is kind of crazy um, but then again, it's Warner Brothers. It's a big, huge Tom Hanks movie. So I'm not surprised, but I'm not used to it. How's that? <laughs> you know? Well, hopefully so this every, leads to bigger and better things. Yeah, I'm having a great time. And it's a great group of people to work with. And um, um, yeah, like like I was saying, it was it's it's really fun because, you know, everything that is, you know, like every, anything we cut for sun era is like been to two or three track you know like it's completely you know everything is very period correct from a recording perspective um to 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 a pretty extreme silly degree it's pretty awesome <laughs> so look forward to finishing it'll be fun all right, Brian, Jason. I can see you. I can see you now, Brian. I can see you. <laughs> I'll have a question uh, later on before we get out of here. Go ahead. Yeah, no worries. So before we get into Jason's crazy lightning round questions, um, sure. One, talk about your latest album. A little bit about uh -huh. that. You know, kind of promote that a little bit, and then you know, walk us through when we're going to expect to see the new one. Sure. Uh, well, this last record is the first time I actually finally worked with a producer. I worked with. Um, my buddy Eddie Spears, who actually works with Dave all the time, he did the Stars Born soundtrack with with Dave and um, like Brandy Carlisle's next record, which I really loved, and um, uh, a bunch of other really like my friend Lily May, who's who's on Third Man um, with Jack. Um, he did he did her record, and so we've we've known each other for a long time. He he uh, he used to be Vance Powell's assistant um, many years ago. And that's when we first met um, me doing stuff with Vance Powell, who who is a, a big producer and and uh, engineer here, and came to prominence working with Jack White. Um, but in any rate, uh, brought Eddie in, and we had a really good time. We 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 wanted to, um, you know, I'd written a bunch of songs that that I was happy with, and I wanted to make um, um, a, a fairly modern kind of record. Um, something that was uh um sort of uh calling from a lot of contemporary influence um some hip-hop influence uh some uh you know some record like you know i love britney howard i love the alabama shakes yeah. and yeah and um you know and and also calling from you know a bunch of other types of influences and we had a really really good time we went into uh, a studio here in nashville and cut it in a few days and and mix it. We made it relatively quickly, um, but it was, you know, I, I was, I'm still really pleased with it. It's, it's um, probably the most cohesive thing that I've put together 
um, up to this point. And uh, some of my favorite songs that I've ever written, like one of those days um, is, is one of my, it's sort of like a Marvin Gaye kind of thing. Um, and my dear friend, Ann Walker Farrell, who is the head illustrator for the BoJack Horseman show on Netflix. She did. Oh, no kidding. Wow. Yeah. She did this amazing psychedelic animated music video for it that came out last year that I, that I, I saw loved. that. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. Did, she did an amazing job. I love it. Um, but, uh, you know, that and there's a couple other songs I really like. And I love we did a we I did an old Earl Hooker song, Anna Lee, but we did it. We basically like broke an old tape machine, like doing all these weird um, manipulations manually to the tape machine. Um, and our goal, like what we wanted was it was like if there was a if there was a traditional blues on the white album, like what would what would lennon have wanted to do to it you know and so that was kind of the concept behind it so i love how that turned out it makes me laugh um and uh yeah i mean it it, it you know obviously it was a, it was a really rough year because we couldn't i mean we finished we were lucky though because you know up until the pandemic we we were we were averaging you know at least around 200 shows ish a year and um and you know so we finished we started in 20 in 2020 in january we started a long tour that ended literally like on the, i think like the 27th of february and then we were going to take march off and then we had another tour starting in april and and on into the rest of the year and um and so when the world changed like we literally had just gotten home from a really long tour and, um, you know, from like, from like a seven week, you know, 40 show tour. And, um, so it was, it was, you know, at least the beginning of it, we were ready to take a break anyway. Um, but you know, we had this record done and initially it was supposed to come out in May and then it, we, the label ended up pushing it and having it come out in August. And, yep. um, you know, it's it's unfortunate because we haven't been able to do all the things that you would normally do, you know. Uh, but, you know, I'm one of many in that situation. Um, so, you know, it's a shame because I think in some ways it'll it'll never uh, as far as the records in my catalog, I think it'll never get uh, uh, the attention of some others just because we weren't able to tour on it, you know. But right. uh, but, you know, such is life. You make lots of records in your career yep. you know and you're talking about so. the self-titled jd simo album right that came in yeah. august mm-hmm. 2020 mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean that definitely is my favorite one that i've made so far for sure it's and uh you know pretty eclectic i would say you know the sounds on it yeah yeah on purpose on purpose yep. it was it was trying to mine a lot of different areas and I, i'm really happy with it, it um, you know i was very pleased with it uh but yeah, as far yeah, as your as first as one Go ahead. Say Sorry. What now? I said, go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna mute while my dogs go crazy. <laughs> no, but what was your question? What were you saying? Your first album, your first solo album, is more of a traditional blues. It's got some, you know, the more kind of the, the traditional and sixty style rock blues going with some instrumentals. Then when yeah. your, your JD Simo album is definitely, you know, more of that, like I said, eclectic, different sounds and styles. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. It's 
the the first record is definitely more derivative, you know. Um, and so, you know, but yeah. And now, I mean, you know, we're just about done with what me and uh, a gentleman that I brought in to, to, to co-produce with me, another guy I've always wanted to work with, uh, my dear friend Adam Bednarik, who uh, was Justin Towns Earl's um, closest confidant. And uh, uh, he produced several records with Justin, including the last one. Um, unfortunately, we lost Justin, Justin last year. But uh, Adam, uh, Adam's come in to work on this one with me, and it's 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 we're almost done with it. So I would say probably the end of the year, uh, I, you know, I, as we continue to see how things evolve here, um, you know, I know that, you know, we've had our zooms with our agent and our management and all that. And, you know, it's looking like, you know, the fall might be, mm-hmm. you know, when re- touring might resume, you know, in earnest and so on and so forth. So, I think that uh, once I get the record done here, which will probably be within the next month or so, uh, then we'll figure out when it's actually going to come out and whether that's, you know, the fall or whether that's late summer, or, you know, whatever. You know, that's kind of the label's decision, not mine, ultimately. Sure. So look forward to hearing it for sure. Thanks, man. Thanks. Mm-hmm. All right, Brian, before we get in my lightning round, out of the ordinary questions, do you have anything for J.D.? Yeah, I, you know, you mentioned, you know, we already talked about, you mentioned Charlie Luther, and you mentioned Steve Gorman. So, you know, for Jason and I, this podcast would not exist without the Black Crows. Um, we got some good friends that have a, a podcast about the Black Crows called State of America. So I got motivated to start that from them. They, you know, their pad- podcast about the Crows and when their second record came out, it opened up a whole new world for us. So that this podcast doesn't exist without them. So um, just wondered if you got any anecdote about Steve. Cause you mentioned uh, being a friend of his. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which one to choose, right? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the first time that I ever met Steve was, um, I'm trying to remember when it was. We, we were, we were, we were booked to play on a record together. And, uh, I hadn't met him, and uh, it was it was it was myself, oddly freed, and Steve. Oh, and, nice! I and, love oddly. Uh, love him. Yeah, yeah. No, I love oddly too, and and uh, and he's a really good friend. Um, but we had never met. We had never worked together. So it was it was me and oddly and Steve and uh, this great keyboard player from here in Nashville, uh, Mike Webb, who who's played on a million different things and is a is a knucklehead and a, a very dear friend of of all of ours and i don't and i don't remember i think the producer was playing bass and um anyway i'd never worked with them before and uh and yeah i just steve scared the living shit out of me because he's such a big guy and he 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 uh he acts like a big guy he talks like a big guy he he moves like a big guy. He plays like a big guy. Like, I mean, just everything about him is so big. And uh, he was very intimidating, you know. And he also, he talks a lot of shit. So, and he's so big and so intimidating that it's like, what the hell are you going to say, right? And uh, and so, and, and, and uh, if memory serves me correct, it was during his big beard phase. So he had that big, big beard. And, 
you know, which made him only look more menacing and more like, you know, like a guy who like drowns puppies first thing in the morning. <laughs> um, and um, so, so yeah, you know, like it was just my first impressions of him was like, like uh, intimidation and fear. And, uh, you know, of course, as a human being, he's a very, very, very sweet guy. And, and uh, uh, we're not, we're not, we, 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 I haven't seen or talked to him in quite a while, but, you know, there were, there was a good period of time there where he was, you know, we would talk every once in a while and he was always, you know, again, like very brotherly and, 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 uh, um, you know, I remember when, uh, trigger hippie initially was having, um, personnel issues, uh, early, early on when oddly was, was going to leave and him, you know, calling and wanting to go have coffee and, you know, like, Hey, you know, is this something that you might want to do and all that stuff. And I was so committed to my guys at the time that I, you know, I wanted to do it, but I also, at the same time, I knew that if I, you know, that it was better to be honest than to say, yeah, I want to do it. And then have to, you know, like go back on my word, you know? So like, and he and he appreciated that at the time. I mean, that was you know for for I look I look back and I've made a lot of fucking decisions, bad decisions in my life, and you know, young stupid moments and all that. But that was a good that was a good one. Now that I'm thinking about it, you know, like I was truthful about my responsibilities and all that. And he was so grown then, up, man. But it was get well, shit, you know, get to know me better. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, but no, it was cool. And then, you know, I remember when my dear friend, Mike, uh, when my dear friend Tom Bukovac eventually ended up playing guitar with them, uh, we uh, we toured together and had a great time. Like, you know, sound checks were as long as the gigs, you know, on that mm-hmm. tour. We were we had a great time jamming and screwing around. And um, that tour was cut short, I remember, because Joan's father passed away. Um, I remember, I remember that vividly. We were supposed to play in Asheville, if I, if, mer- if memory serves me correct. And, and, and Joan's father had passed away and the tour got canceled. And, uh, it was, yeah, it was really sad. And it was, it, it was obviously I felt horrible for her, but it was, we were having a really good time and it was like, oh no, you know, but that's okay. Cause Jackie and I, I remember Jackie and I flew to New York to see the last Allman Brothers show ever. I remember. Oh, wow. Wow. We nice. went, we, we went up, uh, Jack, but we, we didn't, we weren't like, we went together, but we weren't together. Like he was going as a guest of someone else and I was going as a guest of someone else, but it was just funny that like the tour got canceled and it was like, you know, we both were like taking up our friends who were like, you should come to New York. And it's like, dude, we're on tour, you know? And it's like, well, we're not on tour now. You want to go to New York? And it's like we're on the same plane going to New York and saw the gig and all that. So it's fun. you I think I remember a video, whether it's from Guitar World or something, where I think you played Dwayne's guitar, didn't you? Oh, yeah. A lot of people have. Um, <laughs> it's uh, They're very cool with letting people check it out. Um, Did you record with that on one of your albums? Yeah, Let Love Show the Way was there you was, go. was recorded actually at the Big House. We cut the most of that record at the Big House in Macon. And uh yeah, the Gold Top was there and 
they were gracious enough. I used it on a bunch of stuff. It was heavy, literally and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian, is it go time for me? It's go time. All right, JD, I apologize ahead of time, but we've started something on this podcast where I just do random lightning round questions for you and then probably end with a little bit deeper one. So, collector Brad, I'm down. Are you ready? I'm down. Yeah, man, Don't overthink do this first thing that comes to mind, okay? There's not a wrong answer. Sure. All right. Chicago or Texas Blues? Chicago. All right. Favorite Blues artist? Um, Earl Hooker. Favorite rock artist? Um, Bob Dylan. Nice. Okay, if you could play with anyone in history, who would it be? That's a great fucking Miles, Miles Davis. Preferably wow, in the, really? Pre- preferably in the early seventies. Yeah. No shit. Nice. Oh okay. yeah, without a doubt, no doubt about it. Wow, that's a good. That's a good. I've never expected that. that's a good answer. See, no, first man. thing that comes to mind. Um, favorite guitar. Uh, this one. Mild 335 I've had forever. That's what you just posted on Instagram. I made a comment on that a couple weeks ago. You just got it back from the shop, right? Oh, yeah. She goes in from time to time. I mean, this thing's been all over the world with me, and I've had it for, for years. And Joe Glazier, Joe Glazier is uh, – thank you. Joe, Joe Glazier is very kind because uh, um, I have, I have a, a decent amount. I don't have as many guitars as some people, but – I have a decent amount of nice instruments, and this is the only one I ever want to use. Like everything else could catch on fire, and I'd be like, "That's ah, a shame." But as long as this. A lot of your recent videos, I've noticed you've been playing that on it. Oh yeah, no, that's that's the, that's it. All right, favorite amp. Uh, this one, uh, my old Gemini. Uh, my it's a Gemini One from the early '60s, I guess. I got it for uh, three hundred and. Twenty-five dollars off. Nice, nice. Gibson or Fender? Uh, Gibson. All right. What's the one piece of gear that you want that you don't have? That's a good question. You know what? I don't have one. Oh, I got, okay. I got every, I got everything I want. Man, mature answers about how you handle yourself, and you're just very happy where you're at, man. That's great, especially for a musician. Yeah, no, it's true though. I don't, there's nothing. I, I'm good. Um, who's the baddest guitar player ever? You know, obviously, baddest means the best. Ever? Ever. Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> First name that pops in your head. There's a million of them, man. Um, I think the uh, the baddest um, son of a bitch, man. That's fucking hard. <laughs> that is really hard. hard. It's really hard. The baddest dude ever. You know what, man? I'm. I'll. I'll you know what? I'm. I'm staring at his picture right now, and i It's. It's gonna change from day to day. I'm gonna say Junior sure. Kimbrough, man. All right. Because right he's, he's, he's right my on. cat, and I defy anybody out there to sound like him. You can't do it. I don't care how much you think you can. You can't do it. People can sound like a Clapton. People can sound like Albert King. People can sound like, like, uh, like uh, Ing- Ingve or whoever the hell and all this crap. But, but, um, but, 
But uh, to sound like that guy, it's not going to happen. Who do you think, like right now, currently, is just knocks your socks off? Oh, there's several, man. My man Tommy Brennick is probably one of my favorites. He He's in uh, the Budos band, and he uh, was in the Dap Kings. Um, yeah, Dap Kings, yeah. He, he, uh, he was... And and he all of Charles Bradley's stuff. He's one of my favorites. My dear friend Jimmy James uh, from the Delvin Lamar organ trio. He's one of the baddest dudes on the planet. Um, nobody can do what that guy does. He's a funk. He's he's the funk lives in him. And uh, uh, Jimmy Vaughn, you know, Jimmy another Vaughn, yeah. another guy that I'm, I'm happy to know a little bit. Um. Uh, um. Uh. There's a there's a few there's a few more, but those are those are the main. Julian Lodge, my friend Julian Lodge, is a freak of nature. Um, so there's a good list for you. All right, who's the coolest musician you've met? The coolest musician I've met. Uh, that's another really really good <laughs> question. Um, Coolest musician I've ever met. Um, John Lee Hooker. Okay, I got a, I got yeah. a really great, I got a really great John Lee Hooker story. I'll share with you. Later, do it. But I'll, I'll share. I'll share. Or do you want to hear it now? Yeah, do it, man. You got to follow up with that. All right. So John Lee Hooker. I was a kid. I was you know 13, 14 years old. I was a little fat white kid, and uh, I was very much in my strat, what I call the strata blasting period. Um, when you ponder uh, using all three of your names instead of two and uh, uh, that kind of thing. And uh, and it was uh, and so I was opening a bunch of shows for John Lee Hooker and I knew who John Lee Hooker was, you know, and I knew you know, like the Blues Brother movie and all this kind of stuff, you know. But I wish in my heart of hearts, I mean, I'm so obsessed with him now um, especially he made a record in 69 called, uh, if you miss him, I got him, uh, which actually, you know what? I think it's probably right here. If I'm not mistaken, hold on. I think it's here. Yeah. Look at that. I know where all my records are. I've got records all over the house, but I thought this one was down here. This record right here. If you miss him, I got him. And, uh, this, this got Earl Hooker on it playing guitar with him. And uh, because they were touring together and they went in a studio and they in Hollywood when they were on tour in the spring of 69 and they made this record and a record of uh, actually they made this record and Earl's record uh, don't have to worry on the same day. They just they just, you know, and so anyway, anyway, but I digress. Uh, I, I love John Lee Hooker. I wish I could go back and not be a a kid who didn't know what he was talking about. Um, but anyway, John was, he loved women. He was a naughty, naughty boy. And, um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to tell it. I'm trying to decide if I should tell the whole thing or just part of it. No, I'll tell the whole thing. So, um, he, uh, there's this famous story. And, uh, my, my dear friend, Jimmy Vivino, uh, mirrors this story about when John Lee, um, uh, uh, discovered Viagra and, uh, 
and he he loved it. He was he he loved it. He just he just thought it was the greatest thing ever. And uh, he said, "Yeah, man, you know, I uh, I love that agro, man. I, that agro is good, man. I've been soft as cotton for decades, man." He's like, "I, I love that agro," but he's like, "But John Lee, okay, because I just lays it in there and lets it soak a while." <laughs> <laughs> Dirty. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All the stuff that all the stuff that you'll never read in a book. Of course not. You know, that's what they thank God for podcasts. No censors, no commercials, no sponsors. Exactly. We can say whatever we want, man. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, So, but I'm looking. I have on top of my console. I have a uh, a book with a beautiful portrait of John. And uh, he never signed autographs because he could—he was barely literate. And uh, his signature is literally like a preschool, you know, signature. And uh, I was grateful. I, I've, I've asked for two signatures in my entire life, and that's one of them. And I'm grateful that I have it, and it sits on top of the on top of the console now. But I'm, I'm grateful that I got to be around John a little bit, and uh, and he was funny, man. He liked the women's man. I could tell, you know, next time we have you on, we'll, we'll grab another story from you. So you answered a long form question. So I'll save you. I'm going to do three more quick hitters. How's that? You got it. You got it. Go for it. Whatever you want. Three more. What's a music artist or song that you like that we'd be surprised and your fans would be surprised to know that you like? Hmm. That's an interesting question. You know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what would surprise you because, I mean, there's lots of stuff. I mean, you know, okay. I mean, so are you answer- in a boy bands or like, you know? <laughs> no, fuck no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, fuck no. Um, but, uh, but, uh, but the, uh, no, I, I, there's, there's some avant-garde stuff that I actually really like, like Steinhausen. Steinhausen is something I just okay. recently got into a bit. Steinhausen is a, a German composer from the sixties and seventies, but he sort of invented like noisecape records, like what Brian Eno did kind of 10 years later, okay, sure. Steinhaus, Steinhausen was doing in the early seventies. And I got turned on to by, um, by Russell Simmons from John Spencer blues project or blues explosion. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and um, I mean, it's crazy people music. I mean, it's the kind of things that people make fun of Yoko Ono about. But for whatever reason, like, I can listen to it and I actually get enjoyment out of it. Um, and I think it's cool. So, anyway, there's that. And then, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a child of, 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 of the 90s. So, like, growing up with the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Nirvana and, you know, all that stuff. I mean, I love all that stuff. I love Hillel Slovak. I love, oh, yeah. uh, you know... I love Nirvana, especially in utero. I'm not a big Nevermind fan because I don't. Know, I think it's just because it was so commercial um, sure. that it sort of turns me off. But in utero, especially when they finally released the the Albini mixes, oh my god, man, that stuff's so fucking raw. It's beautiful. So I don't know. That's, that's, a, good, I, that's I, a good answer. That's a good, really good answer. Um, Nashville guy, what's the best Nashville food? Hot chicken, man. There. Uh, but you gotta go to Prince's. Prince's is the OG. Okay, that was my going to be my. Here we go, Prince. Okay. Prince. Right. Prince's. Prince's is the OG. Prince's. Prince's is where it came from. Um, 
I sort of have a vendetta against Hattie B's just because it's like so corporate. Not that yeah. it's bad. Yeah. It's just like it's just it's so corporate. It's like go go to Prince's and like support the family that has had it since the thirties, you know. I've only had Hattie B's and we had to wait in line like forever for it. And it was it was good, but like I just expected maybe more. Yeah, no, totally not. No. Prince's is the the OG. So Prince's, here's another little thing. So Prince's, the original Prince's in North Nashville doesn't exist anymore because somebody drove a car through the building and ruined <laughs> the building. And uh, so the original Prince's is, is no more. But there's another one in South Nashville that, I mean, it's just as good and it's owned by the family, you know. But it's just kind of funny because, you know, it always used to be that th- when they opened the second location, it was like, no, nah, you still go to the OG one, don't you, in the hood? And it's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And then some son of a bitch freaking dro- literally drove a car, like, <laughs> through the strip center and, like, ruined the entire building. Like, the building caught on fire and all the stuff. Jeez. And it's still it's still sitting as, like, a vacant lot in North. But it's, like, off Dickerson Pike, like, way in the hood. So, you know, I don't think they'll be rebuilding anytime soon. All right, last speed round question. What's your favorite sports team? Oh, well, I mean, all Chicago. I love the Cubs as much as I love the Chicago White Sox. I don't choose between the two of them and the Chicago Bulls and the Blackhawks. I'm a Chicago. I was born and raised in Chicago, and so it's all things Chicago, man. Oh, Bears, too? Yeah, even though they suck so bad. <laughs> I'm from man. I'm from Cincinnati, and I'm a Cincinnati sportsman guy. So like, I can't I can't critique anybody's sports choices. We suck constantly. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, the Cubs finally did it. I was in Germany. I was in Germany when uh, we were on tour um, when the Cubs finally won the World Series. And I was in a I was in a freaking hotel room, and God, I don't God only knows where the hell we were in the middle of Germany at like five in the morning watching the Cubs in the World Series. It was like, really? I had to be like here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the country when the Cubbies finally win after a hundred and whatever years. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. And I want to thank you guys that, for winning. Yeah, no, no, totally. You know, it was, it was great. But I will say this, man. Cleveland had a hell of a team that year. And Cleveland deserves it as much, if not more so, than the Cubs. Because God, talk, talk about oh, you got that, you got that inner, <laughs> inner Ohio thing going. Yes, I, I do. Understand. I understand. Where's <laughs> that come from, dog? Where's that come from? What's that? What's up with that? Did you like? Did like? I don't know. Did, did something happen to you in Cleveland? What's going? No, on? <laughs> it's just it's just when you grow, when you grow. I've had nothing but good experiences in Cleveland. In fact, it's a, a really a, a lovely Rust Belt city. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's there, like. You know, I've been to Jacob's Field or Progressive Field. See? Beach and Ballroom. I've been to Beach and Ballroom, too. I think the last time I was there, I saw the darkness play. The darkness. The darkness. I believe it is a good Yeah. That's right. It's been a while. No, I think. Or as I like to say, Greta Van Fleet won. <laughs> oh man well that's a conversation for another shots day shots fired the, shots fired shots fired the go 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 to your question the rivalry is i believe it's because paul brown coming down getting fired from cleveland coming to cincinnati and starting that team and then here and growing the hate for cleveland it's really more for the football team not as much for the baseball team 
you know, but I, I, I think I that's where we got that. the hate. Yeah, I, that's I all I that's all I know. So I that's it. That. Although I will say, like, all of my I mean, my life is full with Ohio people, like I mentioned earlier. And so it's like when all of a sudden the Browns were winning a little bit a month, six weeks ago, I was pulling <laughs> for him because yep. I was like, I was like, man, this is bringing so much, so much needed joy to so many people I care about. And then, of course, you know, the, 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 the Browns, they can't play a football game without without fumbling at least once or twice. And sure enough, there it goes. <laughs> and I was actually rooting for the Browns, particularly one, because they're playing the Steelers. Anytime they play the Steelers, yeah. I hate the Steelers more than anybody. I'm like, everybody. Hates Ohio needs a football team, a professional football team to do well. So I was actually rooting for the Browns. Yeah. No, it's cool, man. You know, but yeah. So, yeah. I, I will say uh, on the sports front, though, I love basketball, and I can't help it, man. I am I, I do like the Lakers, though. I'm a dyed-in-the-wool Bulls fan, but I do like the Lakers a lot. I, it's to see them play, to see LeBron when he's, you know, when he's when he's giving a shit and really playing. It's something to see, you know, because I grew up watching Jordan, yeah, and the dynasty sure. play and going to those games. I saw Jordan play many times when I was a kid, and it's like. There's nothing like it, man. Seeing seeing players of that high caliber, you know, and it's like that's you know what when LeBron is on, it's like damn son, check that guy out, you know. So did you watch the oh. Last Dance documentary? Yeah, mm-hmm. so, so good, man. Like that was peak NBA basketball during those times in, in the early to mid '90s. It was so good. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I'll never be like that again. And I just, you know, I'm just grateful to have experienced it you know i mean i was just that was crazy you know and i remember like recently actually my i've become a sneaker head in the last couple of years i've just really gotten into sneakers i don't i don't have a cool pair on now because i'm at home but i've got some really cool kicks and the whole reason is because growing up in chicago through the jordan era and my dad would never let me have nikes oh he never let me have nikes and so, like, now, like, as an adult, it's, like, the things you can't have as a kid. You know what I mean? So, it's, like, mm-hmm. I've totally become, like, a sneaker <laughs> sneaker guy. And guess what I like? Jordans. Air Force Ones. You know? Because <laughs> it's, like, growing up, you know, growing up through that whole thing, you know? And it's, like, I bought my first pair of really dope, like, custom color Jordans in L.A. We were on tour with uh, Big Head Todd and the Monsters. We've done tons of tours with them. Yeah, and we went to we went to Flight Club. Me and uh, me and Todd and uh, and um, Brian, the drummer of their band, we the three of us went in an Uber, and uh, and it was like those are the ones I want, you know. Todd and and then Todd ended up actually buying them for me. He 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 paid for them. Uh, I was I nice. was totally get, I was totally get all that bittersweet money, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I was in college in the '90s, and that song was like everywhere for a while. That and all Dave Matthews Band stuff. You couldn't get oh, away. Oh yeah, it. no, totally. Yeah. No, but he just we we were all looking at we were all looking at stuff, and I like made a decision. I was like, I'm absolutely getting these. I might get something else, you know. And he just like quietly like went and paid for them before I could, and like you know, that's awesome. Just real, real sweet. And I was like, dude, you bought me my first pair of Jordans, you know, like. You know, it was really cool. So anyway, I'll always keep those as a result. You know, you keep your first ones. And Todd and I are good friends. We've done, God, we've done probably a hundred and, at this point, probably a hundred and, 
20, 30 shows together, something something crazy like that. They're good. They're so, a good band. I've seen them play live a couple times with people too, man. It's real solid. No, it's a they're fun guys, man, and they're they're good. You know, it's 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 a uh, it's a good night of music, and you know, like I said, we've we've been paired with them a lot, and so yeah, we've become good friends with them. So I think they draw real well, well still at like Red Rocks and stuff too. I've seen some recent videos or concerts of theirs too, man. They pack it in. Yeah, no, they do. They do their annual uh, because they're Denver guys, so they right. they uh, they do their their annual their annual Red Rocks thing every summer. And uh, I, they, I don't remember when they started doing it, but they they've been doing it probably nearly almost twenty years, I would imagine. Um, yeah, great right guys, on. man. Good friends. Well, before I toss it over to Brian, the host here, to close us out, JD, where can we go and and find your stuff, buy your music, buy your merch? Uh, well, the, 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 the easiest way to kind of keep up with me, I'm super active on social media. So my yeah. Instagram account, my Instagram account, and my Twitter account at JD Simon music are like the, the best places. Cause that's like, I'm on, I'm on those all the time. The Facebook every once in a while, Facebook's starting to kind of disappear. So it's like, and I'm, I, I must admit, I'm not really on there that much, but, uh, but there's the same stuff, like everything that I share gets shared on that as well. Um, but, uh, and my Spotify page, um, uh, I put, I put playlists up all the time. Like a- every episode of greasy time has its own playlist that goes along with it. Like whatever I'm like dissecting on that mm-hmm. episode, you know? Um, uh, so, uh, you know, JD Simon, just JD Simo on Spotify and then my YouTube channel. Uh, I mean, we post, uh, you got a lot you know, of stuff on YouTube, man. A lot. We, we I know posted, I said that earlier. We, yeah, no, we post a lot on my personal YouTube page, and we we post stuff all the time. Like all some of these, some of these like funk instrumentals and stuff like that. We'll 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 edit like weird, funny mo- Like we did a we did a a couple of weeks ago. We put out a uh, this this uh, instrumental called Iced, and uh, we edited a, a a little music video together from clips from the old Blackula movie from the seventies. Yeah. I don't know if you guys yeah, are yeah. fans of that. But. But, and the uh, sequel. Yeah, no, it's actually the sequel. I actually like better than the first one. The voodoo, the, the really hardcore voodoo one, right? It really gets in the voodoo yeah. aspect, right? Yeah, yeah. No, so, so we actually like took we we took parts from both and made this video for it and put it up. So, and there's live stuff, and we do live streams all the time. So there's tons of stuff on the JD Simo, uh, JD Simo Music uh, YouTube page. There's tons of stuff on there, um, and then. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think the, for merch and stuff like that, you can go to the main website, which is jdsimo.net or, uh, the Bandcamp site. There's actually two different types of merch. There's, 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 there's merch that's on the jdsimo.net site. And then there's merch that's exclusive on the Bandcamp site. And, uh, the Bandcamp site is really dope as well, because that's where you, if you're like into, if you're an audiophile like me and you want like high res stuff, um, or obviously vinyl and stuff like that. Um, all that stuff is heavily featured and there's specials all the time on the Bandcamp site. And you can just Google JD Simo Bandcamp and it'll pop right up, you know. So lots of different and You've places. got some great merch, man. I've looked at it. Thanks. I've just bought some. It's very 60s, 70s psychedelia inspired. It's cool as shit. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. Well, let me tell you what, JD. My mind is blown. My mind is blown. <laughs> I feel real. like... Right. Back and to the left. 
Yeah. <laughs> did we just take Back acid? <laughs> did we just take acid? You Are you sending LSD mist through these microphones? <laughs> I wish I could. I wish I could. I wish I could, man. George Clinton, I think George Clinton is working on that technology, and hopefully he'll have it done soon. 4D, 4D media. Yeah. No, thank you so much. Uh, this has been just an amazing chat, man. I'm I'm so glad to have met you and talked to you. And yeah, totally amazing. Totally amazing. Thanks, man. So thank you so much. And uh, you know everyone. Everyone knows you. And uh, we're so glad that you came on. It means a lot to us, man. Man, it's a pleasure to ha- pleasure to do it, man. Thanks for having me. It's a great uh, thing. You just want to chat a little bit more once we get done rolling here? That'd be great. Yeah, sure. Anything All you right. want, guys. All right, everybody. J.D. Simo, rock blues guitarist, uh, bad motherfucker. This guy's a cat. It was awesome, man. Thank you so much. Um, so where are we? What year is this? Uh, what just happened? <laughs> I just we just had a a really amazing conversation with some just some spectacular stories and stuff. <laughs> I can't stop laughing. <laughs> I mean, he is. Uh, a very entertaining guy like he's just a good just good conversation he's got a cool approach to music and some of the stories he has with with people it's just you know the john lee hooker story is really good the story of his um what was the name of the band he was out there in hollywood with as a teenager and <laughs> involved in some illegal activity or he wasn't he was around it i think uh he's top Jay lee hooker's tour story <laughs> uh he, yeah he did and i thought that would be hard to do and you know jd came in and uh crushed it but that was uh that was i had high hopes for this interview and it was it's it exceeded my every expectation <laughs> oh man i'm glad we talked to him i'm just uh i'm speechless man i don't even know what to say yeah, he's cool as shit. Like, I've been following his stuff, honestly, since that 2016 Simo band album. And I got my dad into that. My friend uh, Brian, who, who's just, you know, we were talking about offline um, and dug it. And then, like, I like that um, Off at 11 blues album, his new JD Simo. Like, I'm just, I've just been a big fan and just watching him play clips on YouTube and watching him play. Like, he's so good. And to have him on was. You know, I was excited about, but just to actually hear him talk and interact with him was just, again, exceeded all my expectations. And he is a cat. He is a cat. Say. He is, you know, a cool cat. And this, I and mean, honestly, it's really my first. You know, I heard a little bit of stuff, and like this is my first like introduction to him. And I'm just like, I'm like, I'm mesmerized. You know what? He, I wasn't expecting like the Mississippi Hill Country stuff. I wasn't either. And that's like just amazing. I mean, just talking about Charlie and Luther and Gorman. Oddly and Oddly. And Jackie. I mean, he knows everybody that's playing the Black Crows pretty much. Yeah. He's uh yeah, he's seems to know everybody and everybody seems to know him. Working on scoring a a Tom Hanks film about Elvis. I mean, what the hell? That's amazing. From the um director of Moulin Rouge, the Great Gatsby and Romeo and Juliet. I mean, that's gotta be something. Yeah, I got to see that. I got to see that for be sure. Crazy. <laughs> that was, I, I don't know what else to say, Brian. That was, know, that was it, the hell of a ride. Right. So there's only thing, one thing left to say. Always remember, Southern Rock is reverent and blues is blood. We'll see you next time.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.